Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name's Harold Nickel. This week on the podcast, we're going to learn about a couple of more roles in the Agile project management world, that of Scrum Master, and then later in the podcast, we will learn about the Relief Train Engineer. And Ren, I got to tell you that I'm a little confused about what I've read about the Scrum Master's role, that the inclusion of the word master, which kind of makes me think, you know, somebody in charge, um, (laughs) it looked and sounded like to me that the scrum master was a mere facilitator. Oh, no, they're way more than that. In uh, most organizations, the scrum master is the scrum coach, and that's why we call them a scrum master. They're the person on the scrum team who's supposed to be the master of scrum practices. and scrum behaviors and helping them to define what are the scrum outcomes. Because remember, everything that's in Agile where we have defined behaviors, we also have defined outcomes Mm -hmm. from those behaviors. And the scrum master is the person who embodies that on the scrum team. Okay. Um, I knew you would know what was what, so... But... um, (laughs) The other thing I saw, too, was that, and it's kind of along these same lines, the Scrum Master has no authority within the team the way the product owner does. So I'm hard-pressed to to really grasp the need for this role, but I'm confident that I've missed something. One of the biggest things that we see on a day-to-day basis where we really see the benefit of a Scrum Master is when we think about Agile, number one of the things is that all of our time is fixed. Everything is a very fixed schedule. Mm-hmm. We never change the length of a sprint, right. Right? right? If it's two weeks, it's two weeks. If there's a holiday in the middle, we don't care. If half the team's on PO, PTO, we don't care. A sprint is a sprint. The Scrum Master should be applying that same discipline mm-hmm. to all Scrum practices. And when we see really strong Scrum behaviors, we see all discussions are time-bound. Things like the daily stand-up is 10, 15 minutes. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all the Scrum Master. That either is succeeding or failing because of the Scrum Master's contributions to that team. There are a lot of other things that Scrum Master does. But when we're first looking at the health of a scrum team, that's usually what we're looking at and assessing, is how disciplined are they at adhering to their own time schedules and their own time boxes. And that tells us how much authority um, and how, how much respect, honestly, that the scrum master is getting from the team. Yeah, I appreciated um, that there's kind of, you know, based on what you just said, kind of a lot of informal leadership Mm -hmm. qualities and that the scrum master needs to be somebody who who walks his own talk you know sets a good example Mm -hmm. um and you mentioned the word coaching and and um i guess it kind of takes a certain kind of a person who can really fill the role of scrum master somebody who's genuinely happy to see others do well is that a fair conclusion 
Absolutely. When I'm hiring for new scrum masters, that's the first thing I look for. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts of how important it is um, for certain roles in an agile organization to be true servant leaders. Mm -hmm. And the scrum master, like we talked about with the product owner, needs to be a servant leader. Their role is to look around the team on a daily basis and ask themselves what they can do to help the team and individuals on the team be successful. Mm-hmm. And that does take a particular type of person. Um, people who are accustomed to individual rewards and recognition often don't do well in Agile in general, but definitely don't do well as Scrum Masters. And that's why with some of my clients, I've steered them away from converting project managers into scrum masters because that sometimes is a role that gets a lot um, of individual recognition. Mm -hmm. So you have people in that role, that project, traditional project manager role, um, who would not transition well into a scrum master role. Yeah, and hopefully you know, the people will self-select out of those roles. Um, Often they do, yeah. yeah. All right. So in terms of removing blocks or impediments to progress on the team, the scrum master gets involved with that. Can you mm-hmm. can you give us an example or describe an example of what this might involve? It's funny, um, especially newer organizations or organizations, I mean, that are newer to Agile, what the Scrum Master wants dealing with more than anything else is testing. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. Um, sometimes test environments aren't ready or the test automation, automation tools aren't ready or the automated scripts aren't ready or mm. the test scripts aren't ready. And so it's the Scrum Master who really helps to identify um, those impediments, mm-hmm. and then works with the right people to get them resolved. Okay. So one of the things the scrub master will often do, by the way, in those situations, right. is ask the developers to stop developing and work with the testers to get the testers caught up. It is a brilliant strategy. I've seen it work every single time. Huh. It gets the testers up to speed faster because who wrote the code but the developer, so they know it needs to be tested right. and how. Um, but also it um, helps to build that team cohesion that we've also talked about so much. They get to understand each other, and success becomes a team endeavor, not an individual one. That's such a good word because um, rather than having the, the programmers sit around with their arms folded, they actually have a chance to get in and, get to know their other teammates better and help the project. That's, as you say, a brilliant strategy. Mm -hmm. So outside of the team, and especially in in a big company or big bureaucratic organization, the scrum master is charged with educating people outside the team about the way oh, certain policies that are imposed on the team could cause harm or are causing harm in the form of just wasted time and mm-hmm. what I've experienced is that this is particularly true of of human resource managers and leaders um, you know they've got to have their forms filled in a certain way by a certain date and how does 
any one person persuade devoted bureaucrats um, that they are not adding value and to just leave well enough alone. <laughs> well, often what, what happens is um, they need to persuade them to do things a little bit differently, and that's what I work with my clients to help them do. But oftentimes, um, depending on the level of an organization, a scrum master in and of themselves doesn't have, as you kind of alluded to, the positional authority um, to really influence that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we have the release train engineer or someone who is often referred to as the chief scrum master um, because they usually are at a position in an organization where they can, one, see more broadly so they can see across one or two teams. They are probably going to see ten or more teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have um, the authority within the organization to be the expert of what these teams need and how to work with these teams. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that release train engineer with support from the scrum masters will be talking to HR or compliance or information security mm-hmm. or any of the other organiza- you know, parts of the organization that are accustomed to doing things in a very waterfall methodology right. and helping them make this transition and look at how these teams operate a little differently. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I was also happy to read that um, Agilist would never refer to a coworker or another person as a resource. And that made me feel good. We're people. Yes. Um, you know, because remember, um, oil and coal and wood are oh. also called resources. Do we really want to equate human beings <laughs> with resources like that? Of course not. We're, we're people. Yeah, absolutely. And all I can say is hear, hear, and amen to that. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want to be looked at the same way somebody looks at the water bill, you know. But anyway. Yeah. A, a, <laughs> it's a little dehumanizing. Yes, yeah. very okay. much so, very much so. Okay, so a scrum master's role also is mm-hmm. to promote transformation through illumination and invitation and in a perfect world, you know, that sounds ideal. But where does such a place exist where people put aside their preconceived ideas and their prejudices and are open to accepting new ideas and invitations to learn? Because I want, a lot to, go, of it, I want to go A there. lot of what I coach Scrum Masters on is, um, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, is being a role model. Mm. And so that's part of that illumination. But also a lot of the coaching that I do and what I teach to Scrum Masters and product owners and Agile leaders is to talk about the science of Agile. Mm. There's an incredible amount of science behind what we do. And when people can understand that and see it lived in their own organizations, it actually does make the transformation a lot easier. Because then what they start to understand is when we ask people to do these defined agile behaviors, then we can predict the outcome. Okay. And that's very comforting to most people. Executives aren't the only ones that really like predictability. Everybody does to a certain degree. Um, And people really like that. The invitation part 
is um, I think hard for most new Scrum Masters, and that's being willing to invite people outside your team to come in and see what the team is working on and what you're doing. Okay. And I find it's like that first sprint review, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that's your first big governance step as a brand-new team, and you're going to tell everybody how you did on your sprint, and you're going to demo what you did. That is often very hard for scrum masters to feel comfortable to invite everybody in to participate and see it. Yeah, I... But it really does open a lot of doors. And once they do it the first time, then they realize it isn't that scary. And it actually is a great experience for the team. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because um, I think the idea of inviting them to see those reviews, you know, what is that saying? Nothing works like success. and. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody has a chance to come in and say, "Oh, okay, well, these guys really do know what they're what they're talking about," that will likely um, tear down a lot of those impediments to to progress. Well, and especially the first sprint, because I always tell my new teams, your first first sprint is going to be your hardest sprint, and it's going to be your ugliest sprint, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It should be, um, and because that's the sprint where you're going to learn the most about what you're trying to create, but also how you're going to work together. Okay. And talk about that in your first sprint review. Talk about what you learned through that process. Be really open and transparent because you're probably going to help someone else's agile journey in the process. The other thing is, in the demo, I can't tell you how many times I hear from clients and new Scrum Masters, especially ones who used to be project managers. Right. They, I can almost guarantee you, they will always say to me, well, we don't have enough to demo yet. That's not what this is about. This isn't about enough. You're demoing what you did. Mm-hmm. That's what's important here. If you said you were going to finish you know, three user stories and that's what you did, then that's what you show. It's not about enough. Okay. And it's hard for people coming from traditional project management to think of terms in purely governance. They're always thinking in terms of impressing people, you know, meeting and exceeding expectations, et cetera, et cetera. The sprint review is pure governance. This is what we did. Good, bad, ugly, and different. This is what we did. Yeah. And it is deliberately non judgmental. Yeah, I I think that, as usual with Agile and, and Scrum, that the methodology removes a lot of the emotion and um, oh, preconceived ideas uh, out of it. And as mm-hmm. you have said, rely rely on science. Right. And that's really hard for some people to make that transformation. But when they do, it's pretty amazing to see. Yeah. Well, conversations with executives don't work mm-hmm. without a background of of relatedness and that has to be brought to them by the scrum master. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of senior executives though who are interested in or have time to listen to you know a discussion about background and context and I'm wondering if this is just an artifact from my work history and not the norm or is it? Somewhat the norm. I'm seeing more and more of my clients willing um, to allow me to do training all the way up um, the hierarchy. And I'm doing more and more 
in more executive training. I'm starting to get requests for board training, which just excites me mm. because that tells me that the organization really gets it. Yeah. If um, agile behaviors aren't starting to seep into the executive leadership team meetings and into the board meetings, the organization's still not getting the full benefit from their agile journey. And I'm now seeing more organizations are coming to me and wanting to start at that VP and C-suite level. They want to learn first before they um, start rolling this out to their organizations. And that's really exciting. A lot of that is we're seeing um, just more education at that level. Yeah. More of them are getting it. They're hearing more about what Agile does. They're seeing from huge companies like John Deere and American Express and Wells Fargo and others what Agile can do and how transformative it is for those organizations. But in the past, when we didn't have that sign-in, that buy-in, if you will, from mm -hmm. senior executives, it was extremely difficult. Huh. And trying to explain to them that their status reports are going to be different, that no, we're not going to give you a fixed date and fixed scope and fixed cost. Mm. That was never realistic in a traditional waterfall world. Right. And in Agile, because of this incredible emphasis on transparency, we're not going to lie to you and say we can promise you those things. Yeah. And those are hard conversations. That's another reason why, by the way, the Agile, the release train engineer, mm -hmm. that role is critical to the success of scaled Agile in organizations. And that's an excellent transition because um, while the role of Scrum Master is uh, hard and challenging enough, mm -hmm. um, the release engineer somehow works in tandem with the, mm -hmm. with the Scrum Master. And I guess the whole word release makes me think about you know being set free. <laughs> but uh, I'm betting that that's not it. Oh, well, I, I think we'd like it to. One of the things that we struggle with um, is first terminology and um, agile. So even when we say project, we don't mean project in the same way that, you know, the Project Management Institute means project. Mm -hmm. When we use the rele word release, we don't mean the same thing either. Okay. A release... Um, more often than not, especially in the release train engineer or in the agile release train, is a time box. It's um, usually we recommend 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so five or six two-week sprints or four or three-week sprints, um, it equates to a quarter in a year which is why we usually recommend that. Mm -hmm. So it's a very nice planning cadence. Um, and it does not mean, you know, a release of software, a release to production, you know, the, the way that our uh, technology folks think of it. Um, it's very different. A release train engineer, though, is a program or portfolio level role, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes referred to as the chief scrum master. Um, they run the Scrum of Scrum sessions, uh, which are uh, every other day or so, where all the Scrum Masters come together and do a stand-up. The release chain engineer, like a program manager, is responsible for constantly looking across all the teams in the release train mm -hmm. 
and looking for impediments and risks and things that they need to address at that larger multi-team view. Um, so like you think of a program manager is always looking across a portfolio of projects and looking for um, those same things. Uh, a release train engineer is looking across uh, you know, a team of teams and looking for risks, dependencies, impediments. The other thing is they're very involved in the economic decision making mm-hmm. um, in a way that Scrum Masters just are not. Um, and so they often interface with the product manager um, and the uh, any business owners right. um, and directly interface with them. The release train engineer also coordinates the annual calendar. So they actually define the program increments and the sprints, and they communicate that out. They plan all the agile release train planning sessions across the the teams. Um, so they have a pretty pretty big role. Yeah. Um, and it probably sounds a lot like a program manager to most people. Um, and it's very similar. But they're very focused on a group of teams, ideally cohesive teams, mm-hmm. versus individual projects. Okay. So to make sure that I understand, the release train engineer is... In fact, he's the or she is the chief scrum master. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and this is maybe reflective of my hierarchical upbringing. But how does that, and if it does, supersede the actual scrum master? Um, just so they don't supersede the scrum master is kind of reporting to. The um, release train engineer, okay. from a just from a uh, reporting and governance standpoint, the organizational hierarchy may be completely different. Okay, that's fine, and often it is. Um, but the scrum masters do their status reports to the um, release train engineer. And usually, in a really lean organization, they'll do their status reports, which is the stand-up, the scrum and scrum stand-up that I mentioned earlier. They'll do those updates to only the release train engineer. So it stays very streamlined, and all the reporting then comes from the release train engineer and from whatever agile uh, management tool that the company is using, like Jira or Rally or version one, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so it keeps the reporting very clean and crisp. And that Scrum and Scrum meeting is conducted exactly like a, a stand-up. Okay. So each Scrum Master talks about what their team just did, what they're going to be doing, um, any wins, and any blockers. Okay. And it's very quick. It's very crisp. Okay. Well, that makes that makes sense. And you know, mm-hmm. with the time we have left, we spoke or you spoke earlier about the type of a person that would make um, a good a good scrum a good scrum master. What kind of person would make a good chief scrum master? From a purely educational background, we usually recommend people who have their SPC, Mm -hmm. 
which is one of those scaled agile certifications. Um, but definitely someone who has experience at that level of leadership, that program and, and or portfolio level of leadership, definitely a servant leader. Because again, like with the Scrum Master, they're constantly looking at these teams, usually about seven to 12 teams, and saying what can they do to help these teams be more successful. Right. Okay. They're also coaches. They coach up. They have to be able to coach up to executives, to the business owners, to product managers, um, to dev ops and infrastructure sometimes even, mm -hmm. and explain what the agile teams need. They also need to be able to coach the scrum masters and help the scrum masters become better scrum masters and coaches for their teams. Okay. Well, as always, the deeper we go into these roles, the more I learn and the more I see that um, there's just a heck of a lot to know about these roles and how they fit into the, the world of Agile and Scrum. Now, for those of you who are listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or one of the other syndicated podcast services, you can go to Ren's website, which is www.renmelberg.com if you would like to be in touch with her directly. And you can also go there now, Ren, and see the new video on Living La Vida Agile. What, what can mm -hmm. you tell us about that? Sure. It's a presentation that I did a few weeks ago at a conference, Agile conference in Phoenix, and I talk about using Agile practices and tools for our families to help increase engagement and reduce stress. Yeah, it's, um, it's really well done and really a terrific way to bring work home, but this time in a way that is a positive for home life. As, <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah for everybody. It, uh, it benefits <laughs> all the family members, and um, I really recommend it. Well, thanks for listening, and remember to come back again next week for another edition of The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. <laughs>